Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to episode 35 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, which assumes that you know what problem you're solving, I guess. We have a continued episode planned for you today, and like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. The first part, part one, is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, and you can always listen in there afterwards or on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast provider may be. Today for the you part, we have an update about our spammer from episode 34, a brief follow-up on negatarians from episode 33, and a landmark Pennsylvania Supreme Court decision about passwords of all things. After that, part two is all about them, where each episode we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today bailed on us again. It's a rare occurrence, it's not – he didn't hit a deer this time like the last time it happened. Turned out he has some holiday plans that he didn't know about when we last talked to him. But we do have an interesting alternative, an in-depth look at some different angles of Toastmasters, primarily speech contests and a few other things. And we're going to have an actual contest-winning humorous speech. I want to stay tuned for that. That should be fun. After the you part comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it'll be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. You know what it is today? The Pennsylvania Pennsylvania Project. Self-referential here. (laughs) And throughout the show, as is our long-established custom, we will be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as a narrator to read our live commercials. Today we have Jenna Bernstein, a member of the Liberty Toastmasters Club in Philadelphia. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Jenna. Glad to be here. Got to ask you, what do you like best about Toastmasters? Overcoming fear, the the, the fear of public speaking. Yeah, were you scared before? Very scared. I used to get asthma attacks when I tried to speak in public. Toastmasters cured me. Wonderful, a wonderful program. I agree. Look what happens, it gets you on the radio, right? Absolutely. We also have a second Toastmaster with us here today, as is our recent tradition, to help read and respond to whatever comes into our mailbag and to join in discussions with our guest. It's a role we call cohort. Today's cohort is no stranger to the Pennsylvania Project. She was our narrator in episode 33. Ah, And she's a member of the Doylestown Toastmasters, distinguished Toastmaster Kate Conti. Welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Kate. Thanks, Ken. Glad to be here. Uh, you don't know any better, do you? You're back again. Yeah. A lot of traffic, too. I know. What do you expect? We're at the intersection of Surekill, it's a stressway, and City Ave. Exactly. And and it always backs up there. And so it turns out you and I have connections outside of Toastmasters and outside of the Pennsylvania Project. Yes, it seems so, and I can't wait to hear the story. Well, yeah. It turns out that Joe the Pag, who wrote and plays the music, our theme song, and during the commercials... Both of us have known Joe. I've known Joe since college. How long have you known Joe? I actually don't know Joe, but my girlfriend, 
knows Joe. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess we can't mention her name. Yeah, that's right. <gasps> it's a secret. Carol, not Carol, Nancy, her sister Nancy. I know them both. It's actually Nancy and Carol and Linda. Do you remember Linda? I do not remember Linda. There were three of them. No. The three blonde bombs. Well, maybe the Linda wasn't always there. Maybe she wasn't the partying type. I don't know. Because that was the last time I saw Carol and Nancy was at a party. All right. Let's dig into the mailbag. What do we got? I remember our mission is not here to complain, but rather to explore solutions. So where do we start? Well, Ken, we have three emails today. And the first is from Oscar Goodman from Angleton, Texas. Oh, yeah. He spammed the Pennsylvania Project a few weeks ago. Oh, yes, he did. Now, what do you have to say about that? Well, a lot. Try and keep me quiet, right? He was our first yeah. first spammer, as it so happens. And I replied to his spam in episode 34 in the beginning. And even funnier, I counter-spammed the guy. because Not just because my big brother Barry is in the same business, but also because I want this spammer guy on the show. Ooh, that would be fun. I want to hear how a spammer thinks, why they spam, how they can possibly sleep at night with themselves. Yeah. So I sent off an invitation to the guy. It's been, what, a week now, but he hasn't replied yet. He's thinking about it. Yeah, I bet. We'll see. So sad. That would be so much fun. I know. I can't wait. I have hope. I'll keep you posted on that one. All right. Let's uh, leave him alone for now. We'll come back to him later. Okay. We'll come back to him. The second is from Anonymous in Anywhere USA. Not sure what that means. Anonymous says... You dodged my question last week about your negatarians. Oh, yeah. Aren't you being a bit negatarian yourself by calling people negatarians? Yeah, he's the same guy. I have a couple thoughts about that. My first thought is that we should make name a mandatory <coughs> field on our website. I agree. When people are putting At in At least questions. initials. Well, I don't know. I like a name better. Yeah, name would be better. My second thought is that I did address that question, Mr. Anonymous. And I went through my notes, and I saw that I did, but it may have been too brief for you. Let me give listeners some context what happened in episodes 33 and 34 when I ranted both times about negatarians from different angles. Well, first of all, what is a negatarian? I like to use an, an alliterative definition. I call them saboteurs of the soul who sit on the sidelines and snipe. That's wonderful, Ken. I knew you loved alliteration, but wow. I love alliteration. So a negatarian, it's kind of like a troll, but a little bit worse than a troll. It's got more aspects to it. And like a troll, negatarians can be found anywhere. Certainly they're on the web, but you find them at work. They snipe at work, even in person, bar even. Well, you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project, we are all about solutions, but negatarians don't care about that. Seems they don't care very much about anything, except that they'd sooner find something wrong than find something right. In my rant, in episode 34, I listed eight attributes of a negatarian. And getting back to Mr. Anonymous's question, or Ms. Anonymous? I don't know. That's mm. the problem here. Regardless, nowhere in my rant did I attribute any of those eight attributes to any single person, place, or thing. The specific analogy that I did use was regarding socialists. I said I would never call a socialist a thief, but I would point to the trail of thefts that they always leave behind them and let you draw your own conclusions from that. Ooh, that's heavy. But if someone likes to innuendo or obfuscate facts or use rude words, change the subject, blindside you, make up facts, it's a case of the shoe fitting. 
And I'm not the one, Mr. Ms. Anonymous, putting the shoe on the person. I am only the cobbler. Kate, do we have That's any real funny? Do we have any real questions? <laughs> I have an one. Spammer. We got this anonymous guy who makes unfounded yeah, accusations. There wasn't a lot of meat there, was it? No. How about this from Mike McLaughlin of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? Oh yeah, I know Mike. You do? I do. You actually know him? Yes. Did you see the Pennsylvania Supreme Court recently ruled? That the police can't force you to disclose your passwords. Uh, did you see that? I, I did not. That's a real question. I didn't either. Yeah. Yay, real question. It's not surprising I didn't hear about it because there's a whole lot that goes on. And it's it's next to impossible to keep up on it all. That's why I depend upon people like Mike and Brandon out there in Erie. He sends me interesting things too. But I was surprised that this was even a question about revealing passwords. Article 1, Section 9 of my job description right here, the Pennsylvania Constitution. It says you, that you cannot be forced to give evidence against yourself. And if you give up your password, that's plainly giving cops evidence, access to evidence. I agree. And you know what's even more surprising is that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did not use the Pennsylvania Constitution as the basis for their ruling. They went to the Fifth Amendment of the Federal Constitution. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It doesn't seem right to me. But you know what's even more shocking about this whole question? What, Ken? The vote was razor thin. Four to three. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer to me if cops says, give me your password. No. It goes to show what I think. I guess it's complicated. No. You have the right to live your life. Like all libertarians, I think you have the right to live your life your way without interference, provided only respect the rights and property of others. Nowhere in there do I have the authority, power, or reason to force you to say anything. Of course, when you put it that way, it's pretty convincing. Yeah. Uh, well, how else would you put it? Would you like to say, I can force you to do things? I'm just thinking there may be a situation where the greater good is served by someone's information being revealed, but I am no legal scholar. Uh, well, you know, the Supreme Court addressed that. I have two quotes here from their, uh-huh. their decision. I could have paid you to say that question. Yeah, I didn't even know. Except none of us are getting paid for this. Can I have a question? Do people know about their rights under the Pennsylvania Constitution? No. Mm, that's like a problem. And you, Jenna, you're going to be reading a commercial about that in another five minutes or something like that. <laughs> but here's what the Supreme Court wrote in their decision. They, re- they held that revealing a password is, quote, testimonial in nature because it calls for a defendant to reveal the contents of their own mind. Ooh. Definitely too true. But not to mention the contents of their hard drive or their phone where this day and age, their car. I mean, how many things are password protected in life? Everything. My whole life. Yeah, right. Same thing with all of us. And here's another quote, and, and Jenna, this goes back to what you had said. We acknowledge, oh, sorry, what, what Kate said. We acknowledge that at times, constitutional privileges are an impediment to the Commonwealth, requiring the Commonwealth to do the heavy lifting. Indeed, to shoulder the entire load in building and bringing a criminal case without a defendant's assistance. That may be inconvenient and even difficult. Nevertheless, this constitutional right is firmly grounded grounded in the realization that the privilege, while sometimes, quote, a shelter from the guilty, is often, quote, protection for the innocent. That nice. That is nice. I'm with you now. I'm glad they 100. I'm glad they remember that innocent until proven guilty thing. We're still a free nation. So the next time a cop or a TSA agent or any government official, for that matter, demands your password, you could cite for them Commonwealth v. Davis. 
Commonwealth v. Davis, just mm-hmm. decided by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, and you can tell them to go scratch. <laughs> you know, there's another situation regarding giving evidence against yourself that I am dying to try out. What's that, Ken? Imagine you're driving along and suddenly you see those flashing red lights behind you. And by the way, isn't it ironic they're red, white, and blue? But I digress. Imagine the cop walks up to your car and gives his standard question. And I see your driver's license and owner's card. What I would like to try is to ask him a simple question in return. If I had such things, could you use them against me? Well, the answer is a clear yes, so I don't have to provide them, do I? Oh, I love that. You know, all traffic offenses are adjudicated under criminal law, which means you are protected by Article 1, Section 9 of the Pennsylvania Constitution, or the Fifth Amendment if you're one of those people. So you are not required to incriminate yourself. And if the cop pushes the issue and asks again, my response would be, am I required to answer that question? And again, the answer is no. You're not required to say anything to a Pennsylvania police officer, not even to identify yourself. That's a lot to think about, Ken. Kate is left speechless. I am left speechless. And I am waiting for the perfect opportunity to give this a try a time when a bunch of random factors align. Specifically, I need five factors to align. Number one, I should not have been drinking. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two, I should have no contraband in the car. And oh my gosh. No comments about that. Third, there should be no passengers with me. I don't want to risk anybody else. Fourth, I should immediately start live streaming video out to PennsylvaniaProject.com. And fifth, I should have a lot of time on my hands in case should drag out or suddenly turn south. That's a lot of dominoes that have to be in place, I Ken. I've, and I've had them once, and the cop didn't pull me over. I was so annoyed. Oh, how about that? Annoyed for not being pulled over? I can't over? even believe I'm hearing this. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Most people I mention this to, they point out that they expect things to turn south very, very quickly. But we'll yes, see. I agree. And if that happens, I'm sure to let you know, and afterwards you can come visit me in prison. Once the wounds from the beating I get heal up, Ooh. and that's all assuming I survive. Ah. <laughs> sign of the times. Yeah, sign of the times. Yes, I know. It's a shame. And I've ranted about police before. I mean, I can't tell you how many of them here. I've got my list. Where's police? Episode seven, eight, nine, eleven. Oh, and it goes on from there. I don't even have all the list in front of me. And on that dark note, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 35 of the Pennsylvania Project. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, we'll be visiting with today's non-guest, Toastmasters International. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today 
before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like there's something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? Well, they're not. They're all direct quotes from Article I of Pennsylvania's Constitution. Everyone heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we change those answers to yes, 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 and you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. It's up on our website, pennsylvaniaproject.com. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, please add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Do it now while it's still on, on the top of your mind. Get your friends to sign it, your neighbors, your co-workers. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore? <laughs> that is so true. You know, every time I hear that commercial, it gets me, gets my blood boiling again. Hey, Ken Crawchalk here, and welcome to the Them portion of Episode 35 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Today, our guest is all cultural. As I mentioned at the top of the show, our guest was not available. That's all right. People have a life, some holiday plans or other. So instead, we're going to continue with our in-depth look at Toastmasters that we started back in Episode 33. And today we're going to cover some of the interesting corners of Toastmasters, things we didn't talk about before. Toastmasters for kids, Toastmasters in prison, and one of my favorite things, Toastmasters speech contests, including the international speech contests where Toastmasters from all over the planet compete for the title of World Champion of Public Speaking. And then after the break in about 15 minutes, we are going to actually present a contest-winning humorous speech. I can't wait. I can't wait either. That's always fun. Well, since we don't have this, don't have our guest, we have instead two Toastmasters with us. Two Toastmasters handy. In fact, we got three Toastmasters handy. First of all, we have our cohort Kate Conti, our narrator Jenna Bernstein, and I'm looking through the glass. We have a third Toastmaster over there who I finally convinced to join. He's our narrator, Brett. Not our narrator. Our Radio producer Brett Kronberger. How about you, Ed? Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Brett. Thank you. I was waiting for my thumbs up to start talking. Start talking, <laughs> man. You're on. Okay, let me start at the beginning. For those who missed episode 33, just a, a brief overview of Toastmasters. It's an international organization founded in 1925. We're coming up on 100 years old. Has over 350,000 members. 
over 13,000 clubs all around the planet. And the mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning public speaking and leadership skills. And I want to talk more about leadership skills. Last time we talked pretty much only about public speaking. Been around a lot. I've been a Toastmaster now for 21 years, 22 years. Yeah, 22 years as of a couple of weeks ago. And it's absolutely changed my life. I used to get asthma attacks when I tried to speak in public. But now, look at me. I'm on the Pennsylvania Project. Now, Jenna, you said you're a relatively new Toastmaster. About five months in. About five months. And now you have all the courage to appear on the air. I'm not sure this is courage, but maybe, <laughs> maybe you can see me. <laughs> no, they're, they're hearing you. They're, they can hear your voice. They can hear your smile. I'm getting there. <laughs> yes, aren't we all? And, Kate, you've been a Toastmaster for years. In fact, you're a member of an advanced Toastmasters club. Yes, I was. And I've been a Toastmaster for six years. Six years. Oh, child. I'm actually a DTM, Ken. Distinguished Toastmaster. So am I. And I'm about to get my second DTM. <gasps> when? You're going to beat me. I have five more speeches to do, and they're scheduled across the next couple of months. I should make it by April, I'm guessing. Okay, you have me beat. Yeah. Fair and square. Should be. And we have a third Toastmaster with us today, our radio producer, Brett. Brett, how long have you been a Toastmaster? For like, what, three weeks, maybe a month? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. After the show here, we always go over to the Drexel University Toastmasters Club. And once Brett said, he does stand-up. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And he said, let, let me go. Let's go over there. Yeah, I was like, no, let's do it. And I'm the hell go with it. Yeah. And I, I drive directly from there over here and on my way. Nice guy. He takes me every time, too. I come right past the place, Brett. It's like no, no skin off my back. As long as it makes me feel better. Because if, if so, like I'd feel so bad. Uh-huh. And I didn't ask you, what do you like best about Toastmasters? The people. I just like the environment. Everyone just seems so nice. Like you don't, It's not stepping on eggshells. It's not like oh, I'm being judged. Like Everyone's so friendly, and they're there for the same reason as you. So they're trying to get out of their shell. Uh-huh. That's so right. That's why I like it. And that's one thing that we're going to be doing in the, the next segment is when we present the contest speech, Kate is going to evaluate that speech. Because in Toastmasters, we evaluate everything. We evaluate all the speeches. That way you get direct feedback. And it's always done in a positive manner. So you're not going to hear something like, Brett, that speech sucked. It's going to be like, Brett, that speech was good, but it would have been more effective if you hadn't fainted in the middle of it. <laughs> it would be perfect. I know. I got a speech uh, this coming week while you're on, while right. you're on vacation. Yeah, seven-minute speech. Your first one. And yeah. I have to send you the – let me put something in my Palm Pilot here. He's writing a note on his hand. That's my Palm Pilot. His Palm Pilot. <laughs> yes, of course. Now, the meetings are a lot of fun. We get to give speeches, some impromptu, some prepared. And the evaluations are great because you learn what you're doing well and where you could improve. But, you know, it's not just for adults because Toastmasters has something called Youth Leadership Program where we actually do it for children. It's aimed for kids between 12 and 16 years old. Kate, have you ever been in one of the youth leaderships? I have assisted about three times. Uh -huh. I've been in many of them. I've actually run one myself pretty much single-handedly. And what I like best is that when the kids come in, they are terrified. But when they're done, they're tremendous, you know? One thing we did was teach them parliamentary procedure. And they, they took to it so well that they appointed two sergeants-at-arms with gavels. And if anybody stepped out of line, they'd, they'd bang that gavel. And in fact, they gaveled quiet. One of the moms who was watching, she kept interrupting. Good for them. And they banged the gavel. And after the third time, the president kid who was running the meeting says, Mrs. Jones, if you interrupt again, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the room. 
Wow. And she looked at me and I just nodded my head. <laughs> yeah, they can do that. Can I have three kids? Do we really need more outspoken kids? I know. You know, I made the same mistake with my children. I sent them to Toastmasters, and I found them using my own tricks against me. (laughs) But that's okay, because now they're out in the world. They're all grown, and I watch them, and I just smile and nod my head. So a few years of pain is going to give you a lifetime of reward. That's absolutely – that's not pain. It's fun. Like Brett said, it's a great time. I, I really enjoy going to Toastmasters, especially the Drexel Club. That's my favorite club. I've been a member of, over the years, I don't know, maybe 10 clubs. But of all of them, I, I like the Drexel Toastmasters best. Yeah, I always have fun uh, going there. I never want time to end either. All yeah. the students are probably like, oh, is it almost done? I'm just in here. No, slow down the time. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no slight on my other clubs, the Educational Testing Service Toastmasters Club up in Princeton. They do the SATs, and no, I can't change scores. And Positively Charged at Philadelphia Electric Company in downtown Philadelphia. They're a great club. I love the parties those guys throw. But Toastmasters for Kids. The last one I did, we had seven-year-old kids in there. That's amazing. I know. We're teaching them how to do impromptu speaking. And it reminded me when I was in Catholic grade school, like they're saying their prayers. I just been asked the question, what's my favorite vacation place? My favorite vacation place is Disneyland because it's a lot of fun. That's my favorite vacation place. (laughs) That's adorable. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. (laughs) (laughs) It's been (laughs) yes Uh, six months since my last confession. (laughs) You were raised Catholic as well. Twelve years. Uh, I call myself a recovering Roman Catholic. Mm. I'm not going to ask Jenna. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, a little little too politically, a little too charged. Yeah. Politics and religion. We can't talk about that. But we're talking about Toastmasters. We were talking about Toastmasters for Kids, which is very rewarding because you watch these kids grow. Episode one of the Pennsylvania Project had a graduate of the Youth Leadership Program. He started when he was seven. He was 17 when he sat in your chair, Jenna, Mm -hmm. and he did our first show with us. He was a screaming liberal facing a very polite, non-negatarian libertarian, and it was a practice show. And I'll be honest, we weren't planning to air it, but it came out so good that we said we're going to do it. So if you want to hear somebody who spent 10 years in Toastmasters, he's only 17 years old, he runs some big popular blog on WordPress, and I can't remember the name of it. I'm so sorry. I'll mention it some other time. Anyway. Had I known, I would have sat in another chair, I think. (laughs) No, no, he was clean. (laughs) I'm kidding. He wasn't clean. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I shouldn't even say that's things. It's a like hard that. reputation to follow. Yeah. 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 I think that's what she meant. That's okay. what I meant. I will save that. <laughs> Absolutely. For, I'll save that for the humorous speech. That's why my mind's in that direction. But we don't just do kids, we also do them for prisons. Talk about a captive audience. We call them gavel clubs, and we have several in the area. We do one, probably the biggest one we have is at the Trenton, uh, New Jersey State Prison in Trenton. And it's the same thing. They do a regular Toastmasters program. They give speeches. They do impromptu speeches. They evaluate each other. They count their ums and their ahs and their filler words and everything like that. And that's interesting, too. Have you done that, Ken? Uh, Yes, but no, because they said that I had to get fingerprinted if I was going to continue. Oh, that's right. And I am a libertarian, and I see no reason for the government to have my fingerprints. That's like accusing me of a crime thinking you're already guilty. It's like a DUI checkpoint. They pull you out. Have you been drinking? How do you think I've been drinking? I'm driving at night. What does that mean? I'm drinking? No. 
Well, my friend from Princeton Toastmasters, Thane Shutter, I, I think you know him. Thane is going to be our narrator next episode, episode 36. That's Yeah, he'll be great. And he does it, so you should ask him about it because he says it's miraculous. It's, they feel they create a safe space and they really open up. Mm-hmm. And he said it's just miraculous the transformation that they undergo. Yep. And another guy I know who goes there, Jack Levitt. And I tried to get Jack on this show. Man, Jack is great. Jack is one of the people who runs the youth leadership program. Mm. And he says the same thing. He says, you have no idea what these guys are in for. They could be mass murderers. They could be a parking ticket violator. You just don't know. But when they get in there, they joke around. They're all friendly people. They're, they're all friends. And that goes back to what Brett was saying about the atmosphere in Toastmasters, about how friendly it all is there. Can you imagine being in a prison Toastmasters club? No, it sounds awful. <laughs> I'm sweating bullets just thinking about I it. I know. He's invited me, and I'm not sure I want to do it. I skip. <laughs> but I have been fingerprinted, so that's not an issue. Rain check on that for me. Yeah, really. That's what I said the minute they said fingerprints. They said, well, then you're not going to be able to be here. I said, deal. <laughs> I turned around and walked away like, wait, wait. No. I just walked out the door. I think you have to be fingerprinted to work with youth today. Not necessarily. I was not finger, nobody fingerprinted me for Drexel Toastmasters. No, well, that's good. What else? I do a whole bunch of things with the kids. I was not fingerprinted for the youth leadership program that I was doing at Educational Testing Service, which, by the way, is the largest in the world. And one thing that I, I need to mention is that the lady who founded it, Jean Shippos, my mentor and the lady who made me the speaker I am today, is uh, having a bad way. So if you believe in prayer, Jean needs your prayers. She has changed the life of so many people in Toastmasters, youth leadership, and just being my mentor and putting me in the place I am today. Thank you, Gene. My guest today is Toastmasters International. I'm your caster, distinguished Toastmaster Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to The Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information. Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're ready to add to that sleeve you started, or cover up the one that regret, or cover up that one regretful choice. Put Sam C. and his team of artists at Iron Will Tattoo Club in Glenside, PA, at the top of your list. The team at Iron Will has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with the design that you provide. Call 267-893-7625 today to schedule your free consultation. That's 267-8-WE-ROCK or visit them on Instagram at Iron Will Tattoo Club. Hey, Kate here, cohort on the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job, at least for some people. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader? Communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me! I joined Toastmasters and now I'm on the radio! So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome. And be sure to mention my name, Kate Conti. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. And it all starts at Toastmasters.org. 
Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Do you have the financial freedom that you imagined you would have? At AJ Freedom Financial, we are dedicated to serving you while helping you achieve your financial goals. We offer planning and investment advice on everything from college and retirement planning to a rollover 401k. Please call 866-383-6899 to learn more. The top priority at AJ Freedom Financial has always been and always will be our clients. Call AJ Freedom Financial today to talk to a qualified professional. 866-383-6899. Again, 866-383-6899. AJ, AJ Financial Freedom Financial, helping Pennsylvanians achieve financial freedom from the man. <clears throat> Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Gradient Securities, LLC member, FINRA, SIPC. Insurance products and services are offered through AJ Freedom Financial. AJ Freedom Financial is not affiliated with Gradient Securities, LLC. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and we're back with episode 35 of the Pennsylvania Project and my guest, Toastmasters International. As promised, we're going to talk now about contests. Toastmasters hosts contests in the fall, in the spring every year. An international speech contest, which goes all the way up to the World Championship of Public Speaking. You compete at your club, your area, your division, your district, then in the tape-recorded ones, then the semifinals, and then the finals on the world stage. And the current reigning champ of public speaking and Toastmasters lives right here in Philadelphia. Yes, he does. Aaron Beverly. Woohoo! I tried to get him on the show, and he says, well, Ken, timing doesn't fit. Oh. oh, yeah, I know. We'll get him someday. But what we're going to do is what I'd like to do is a contest speech. I've competed many times. They have an, a humor speech contest, which I have won at the highest level, not world championship. It stops at the Pennsylvania level. They have an evaluation contest, which I have also won at the highest level, Pennsylvania level. And they have an impromptu speaking contest, which I have also won at the Pennsylvania level, highest level. Wow. What I'd like to do is present for you today my humor speech contest winner and it's only about five six minutes long it's not too long and afterwards i'm going to ask kate to do a toastmasters evaluation of that speech so you can hear the kind of speech that a toastmaster is going to give and the kind of evaluation that we're going to receive and i hope she doesn't say ken that sucks (laughs) i hope so all right welcome to the toastmasters meeting i now turn the meeting over to our toastmaster kate conti well thanks ken Welcome everyone out there in Radio Land. I would like to introduce our speaker this evening. That's Ken Crawchuk, and his speech is titled Stupid, Stupid, Stupid. Ken! What on earth was I thinking? How could I think I would ever possibly get away with it? Fellow Toastmasters and everybody out there in Radio Land, Podcast Land, The only three words to describe what I did, stupid, stupid, stupid. 
Oh, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever woken up in the one morning and felt so sick that you knew you shouldn't go to work? How many of you have felt that way? That's happened to me. Everybody. Well, this is what happened to me. Let me tell you the story. Now, wait a minute. I'm not talking about sick. Like, hello, boss. I'm sick. And then half hour later, you're, you're on the way down the shore. No, 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 no. Not that kind of sick. <laughs> not the kind of sick where you're sniffly, sore throat, and you go to work anyway and give everybody all the germs and play. I could play typhoid, Kenny. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that kind of sick either. I'm talking about the kind of sick where the only three words that can describe it if you go to work are stupid, stupid, stupid. Now, let me tell you about that story. It all started at 3 a.m. when I woke up. I wasn't really feeling ill. Let's just call it an insistent call of nature. Maybe it had something to do with that Mexican dinner the wife and I had earlier that night. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I toss off the covers, and I start walking down the hallway to the bathroom. And I remember there's this force of nature called gravity. And gravity does not take a break at 3 a.m. It still pulls things down. So I quicken my step, and when I get to the bathroom door, it's closed. Our daughter is in the bathroom. I was reminded of a story about in Kansas in 1910. There were two cars in all of Kansas, and they crashed into each other. Well, I had sympathy for those guys that night. I pounded on the door, and after a little bit, my dear daughter got out of the bathroom, and for the next half hour, I was literally glued to my seat. After a while, things settled down, and I head off back to bed thinking, that was that. Yeah, right. 4 a.m., I wake back, wake up again. This time, it's not the lower GI, it's the upper GI. So I fling off the covers, run down the hallway again. The door is closed again. This time, it's my wife in there. Now, I know after 42 years of marriage, she cannot be rushed out of the bathroom. <laughs> Suddenly, I realize it's time for plan B. This old house may only have one bathroom, but the kitchen sink's got a garbage disposal. I don't know who made a worse noise, me or the garbage disposal. Oh, man. After a while, things settle down, and I'm thinking, yep, that's that, and I go back to bed. A few hours later, the alarm goes off, and not just the alarm on the clock, but the alarm inside my head, because upper and lower GI both go off at the same time. I fly back down the corridor, and lucky for me, nobody's in the bathroom this time. And I didn't know whether I should stand up or sit down, and I could not do either one fast enough. But after a while, things settle down, and I take stock of the situation. You see, I'm an entrepreneur. If I work, I get paid. If I don't work, I don't get paid. And I'm thinking, I don't feel so bad. Yes, I'm feverish, but not too feverish. Yes, I'm dizzy, but not that dizzy. And I, I sit down at work, and... Yes, I feel like I've been drinking Drano all night, but I think I can handle this. So I make that fateful decision, step in the shower, and start getting ready for work. Stupid, stupid, stupid. I had a glass of water for breakfast, that being all that I wanted to chance, and I get in the car. It's only about a half hour drive at that time. I make it eight minutes before I realize I gotta stop. But, I'm on the expressway, and there's Jersey barriers on both sides. It's under construction, and there's nowhere to stop. Fortunately, up ahead, I see a little bump out. 
hallelujah, somebody's watching over me. And I pull in there, and even better, there's one of those porta potties for the construction workers. But it's on the other side of the expressway. That's okay, that's okay. I'm not gonna question Providence. I get out of the car and I look, and there's no traffic. The only thing is, there's a lumbering dump truck way back there. I got time. So I go across and I go to step over that Jersey barrier and I realize lifting my leg is not the best idea in the world. So I stand there looking at it thinking, how am I gonna get across this Jersey barrier? Can I do this, can I do, when suddenly I remembered the dump truck. <laughs> dump truck or no dump truck, there's only so long I can stand there anyway. So I kind of slither over the Jersey barrier, land on both feet and suddenly realize uh, I, gravity didn't need the help. So I go over to the bath, the pot, porta potty. Fortunately, it's empty. But wait, it's August, it's hot. And when I opened that door, a blast of perfume hit me like you would not believe. I call it Oju Burley Man. And all of a sudden, the upper GI starts elbowing out the lower GI. And the lower GI won't have any part of it. And he keeps elbowing out the top. And the two of them elbow each other back and forth and back and forth until they decide to sing in harmony. Fortunately for me, the porta potty handled both pointers and setters. So I was okay. A little while later, Things settle down again, and I step out of the porta potty. I was gray faced, ashen faced, beaten, and it didn't take a Sherlock Holmes to realize that I should get in the car and go back home. And I know what Sherlock Holmes would have said, too. It's alimentary, my dear Watson. A wise man once said, A smart man learns from his own mistakes. But a smarter person said, The smart man learns from the mistakes of others. So my dear listeners, Toastmasters and future Toastmasters, the next time you find yourself wondering, should I go to work or not? Remember my story. And what are the three words you should remember? Stupid. Don't go to work Stop. sick. Stupid, <laughs> stupid, stupid. stupid. <laughs> Madam contest chair. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. I'm like <laughs> laughing so hard over here. I can hardly compose myself. That was terrific. Even Brett's nodding his head. So oh, now it's awesome. time Thank you. for me to share an evaluation of your speech. And as you know, I like to use the Oreo methods, starting with some positive comments and maybe giving you something to possibly improve, just my opinion, and then finishing with some positive comments. Thank you. First up, I want to say that you started with a bang. The opening caught our attention. We all wonder... You know, we've all had that time when we've done something stupid. We're thinking, why did I do that? And then you said, stupid. You asked us a question to draw us in. Technically, you had terrific vocal variety. You illustrated the sniffles and or just a, a lot of places where you use your voice in different ways. Plus, a story always engages us. We've been listening to stories since we were huddled around the campfire back in the Paleolithic. You used story and humor to great, for great effect. For instance, there were hilarious details all throughout about throwing up in the kitchen sink and using the garbage <laughs> disposer to remove the evidence, and it just went downhill or uphill from there. I'm not exactly sure which way, I should say. The point of your story was clear. It was humor, and there was a message. Don't go to work sick, stupid. <laughs> To improve, I, you know, I, this was a contest-winning speech, so this is a little tough. 
And I do wonder about some of the bathroom humor, comments about gravity, not needing any more help. Some of it was really quite graphic, but you did win at the contest, so I guess that's kosher. (laughs) So I can see why this won. Overall, it was just hilarious speech. I could not stop laughing. And that's one of the best ways to learn is to entertain and laugh at the same time. And I especially loved your closing Elementary, dear Watson. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Kate. That sounds good. So there's a good example of what goes on at a Toastmasters meeting. You never know what kind of a speech you're going to hear, but you are going to hear those areas that you did well and those areas where you could use some improvement. Now, the thing is, it's not aimed only at me. There may be 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 Toastmasters at the meeting What you do serves as an example for all those other Toastmasters, and they can learn from your example, either learn what to do or, more often, what not to do. (laughs) That's a good point, Ken. Thank you very much. Well, you know, we are running crowded on time. I could tell we're there. So that's going to have to wrap it up for the them portion of the show. My thanks to our cohort, Kate Conti, our narrator, Jenna Bernstein, and our radio producer, Brett Kronberger, for their capable assistance. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'll be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw. The Pennsylvania Project, believe it or not. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Jenna, how's it going? Meh, could be better. Why? What's the matter? I just found a great job, but I can't take it. Why not? They want me to go as a 1099 contractor. So? So what about all those taxes? Federal taxes, state taxes, this tax, that tax. I have better things to do than figuring out the tax laws and filling out all those forms. I'm a libertarian, remember? Then you need Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them. And when your client pays them, they pay you. Minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they can't take care of all the taxes, all the forms? Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Sounds perfect. Where do I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment16, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all. You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march towards liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit LPPA.org to sign up today. That's LPPA.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Are you spending too much of your business day answering the phone? Maybe you need your phones answered after, after hours on weekends or holidays? America's Call Center is the number one professional inbound customer service call center in the nation, serving a wide variety of clients, including medical, retail, marketing, and service companies. Better yet, all our agents are America-based and speak American English. Why hire more staff or overwork the staff you have? America's Call Center 
is the professional solution. America's Call Center operates 24 by 7 by 365 and has been the trusted provider for over 30 years. So get off the phone and contact them at americascallcenter.us. That's americascallcenter.us. Thank you, Jenna. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 35 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant about something that really sticks in my craw. And believe it or not, today it's the Pennsylvania Project. Yep, Pennsylvania Project. Yep, it can really stick in the craw. Do you have any clue how much time it takes to put together a quality show, episode after episode after episode? Me neither. And when I do finally do a quality episode, I'll let you know. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Seriously. The time invested is much, much larger than I ever expected when we first started this. First of all, I lose one evening a week putting together the detailed notes for each show, and then another evening spent in the studio. And then there are all the random times throughout the week, getting things organized, lining up and interviewing guests, briefing narrators like Jenna, cohorts like Kate, screening the questions that come in from who knows who, doing the research behind them, designing a reply, and things like replacing last-minute cancellations, such as today's Toastmaster narrator, which happened just yesterday, and Jenna just jumped in at the last moment. Thank you very much for that, Jenna. Cancel guests. We have canceled guests. Man. That means I had to come up with something to fill a half hour of empty space. Today, we talked about Toastmasters contests and Toastmasters in general. It was just admittedly fun. It was. Another time, it was Atlas snubbed my novel, which we had a commercial for in the beginning. And episode nine, which wound up being about bathrooms of all things. Goes to show that putting on a weekly radio show is not really that simple. It's like a full-time, part-time job that I don't get paid for. Time commitment is one thing, but the bigger impact is on my social life, believe it or not. Because people who know me, they know that I have one rigid rule when it comes to professional public speaking. It started about 20 years ago when I found myself speaking on statewide television. My words were going out to 3 million homes on Pennsylvania Cable Network. Great place, by the way. Good friends there. I was talking about ending the insane war on drugs. I was listing all the famous people who are calling for its ending. People like Dear Abby, Mayor Kurt Schmoke of Baltimore, and, 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 and for the life of me, I could not remember Jocelyn Elder's title on state, and I was on statewide TV. So I tossed a lifeline out to the crowd. It's like, oh, what do you call the medical attorney general? Surgeon General, everybody said. Yeah, 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 right. Surgeon General Jocelyn Elders. And I went on from there. Do you know why I couldn't remember Jocelyn's title? Because I had been drinking alcohol the night before. You see, I have this strange quirk in my brain. If I've been drinking anything at all the day before, anything, even at lunch, I'll reach for a word the day after and I won't be able to grab it. And it's not so much a handicap in regular life, but when I'm on statewide TV or national TV, which I've done more times than I can count, by the way, or even on Philadelphia talk radio, well, well, it looks bad, you know? And if I happen to be in a Toastmasters contest, it doesn't just look bad. I lose. So I set this rule for myself way back in the 90s, never to drink within 48 hours of any public appearance. And I stuck to it to this very day, even with the Pennsylvania Project. Which brings me to one of the key reasons why the Pennsylvania Project sticks in my craw. No, no, no. It's not that it has an impact on my recreational drinking. 
It's more because it has an impact on my marriage. Ooh. Roberta and I have been married almost 43 years now. And you know, we enjoy wine with our pizza, beers and ciders with our friends, and fine sipping whiskey most any time. I'll have to tell you about chatka time sometime, but not today. But we enjoy all those things, except, except when I have a speaking engagement the next day. I asked her for a quote about this, and she says, quote, it's a drag, you're no fun. <laughs> and you know, she's right. All because of the Pennsylvania Project, we lose a night of possible drinking. So we've lost 35 possible nights so far since the Pennsylvania Project started, one night per episode, more than a month of Sundays, as they like to say. It's time lost, not chilling with the wife in front of a crackling fire. I'm getting ready for the show instead and playing the role of temporary teetotaler, a Puritan when it isn't even Thanksgiving, a drag, as she would say. No fun. But you know, one night a week isn't so bad. Not when you compare it to my campaign for Pennsylvania governor. It got to the point where I had a public appearance most every night, starting with August and running through November. Do you know how much weight I lost not drinking beer for those months? Too much. But I digress. Let me get back on point. There are some reasons why the Pennsylvania Project sticks in my craw. I just told you several of them. There's several more I can go into. But you know... Despite all that, I find it to be more than worth it. It's worth it to be able to sit here week after week after week, solving the correct problem in addition to solving the problem correctly, showcasing political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing Pennsylvania, spreading the knowledge of the Pennsylvania Constitution, knowledge that Pennsylvania even has a Constitution, highlighting how it's been gutted, ignored, shoved under the carpet. It's even more fun providing a megaphone to dozens of guests who may not have found an outlet for their message any other way. I'm thinking of people like Maj Touré, founder of Black Guns Matter, who teaches gun safety in the inner cities. Gary St. Fleur, candidate for Scranton mayor, who uncovered the fact that Scranton is bankrupt. Melanie Dante from Sex Workers Outreach Project, a consensual adult sex worker, she called herself. That was an interesting episode, episode three, I believe. Jeff Zick, organizer of the gigantic Cannabis Fest, the largest one in Pennsylvania. The list goes on and on and on and on. And even the Toastmasters. I give Toastmasters like Jenna, Kate, Brett, and so many others and a real live opportunity to, re- to participate in a real live broadcasting situation. It's something none of them would ever have seen otherwise, most likely. All these things and more that the Pennsylvania Project makes possible. So while there may be some things about Pennsylvania Project that stick in my craw. When it comes to some things, there's one irrefutable reason that far, far outweighs any possible detriment and makes all those other things almost irrelevant. You know what that irrefutable reason is? I'm having fun. I'm having the time of my life here. And what better reason can there ever be for such a project as the Pennsylvania Project? Ladies and gentlemen... I will drink to that, but not just within the 48 hours before we go on the air. <laughs> and on that abstemious note, abstemious note, abstemious note, that's going to wrap it up for the episode 35 of the Pennsylvania Project. What do you think about the Pennsylvania Project or passwords or negatarians or spammers or drinking or anything Pennsylvania related, actually? If you have something to say, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com right after you sign our petition, that is. 
And you could hear us there as well, as well as on iTunes and other popular podcast providers of a little more alliteration. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting at 10 a.m. every Saturday at 8.60 a.m. in Philadelphia, and released as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley. Marketing guru is Conrad Dragotis. Featured Toastmaster narrator is Jenna Bernstein. Featured Toastmaster cohort is distinguished Toastmaster Kate Conti. Keyboard wizard, who Kate and I both know, Joe the Pag. Radio producer, Brett Kronberger. Play Joe's music there, Cret. Brett, executive producer Mark Brazzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us, and remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.